You're listening to the RUV English podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is slash English. Hello, this is Ruv English. I'm Darren Adam, back with you in Siglafjörður today and my guest for this Friday and for many of the last Fridays and for many to come as well is music journalist Lydia Athanasopoulou, who is here to guide us through the history of Icelandic music, genre by genre. I just look at what we've done already, and we've, we've scratched the surface, I think, of electronic music and jazz and rimor and classical music, the golden oldies, the crooners from the 50s and 60s, the big Eurovision episode, of course, a couple of weeks ago. Last week, we talked about the the coming to Iceland of the electric guitar. We're into the 80s this week with New Wave. And Lydia, I was saying at the end of last week's episode that New Wave has always struck me as something peculiarly British. Um, And even America didn't really have its own take on it. It imported everyone from, you know, Tears for Fears to the the Human League to the Stranglers. I mean, there's all sorts of bands that you could say to an extent were New Wave. They'd probably come back with the cars, maybe. But in Iceland, what was happening? In Iceland, New Wave did also uh, hit the shores of Iceland. I think one thing necessary to make good New Wave music is bad weather. At least this is my (laughs) observation, whether you're talking about uh, British New Wave, like you mentioned, or Neue Deutsche Welle in Germany, um, or the New Wave and 80s boom here in Iceland. I think if you've got grey skies, you can write good New Wave music. (laughs) Well, let's put that to the test with a selection of uh, songs that we're going to hear over the next half hour or so. But when we talk about New Wave, firstly, firstly, let's define it. Does it sound the same in Iceland as it might have done in other places? Is it it recognisably New Wave? Yes, I would say it definitely is recognisably New Wave. And um, it is also inspired uh, by contemporary acts of that time. So it's not uh, anachronistic. It's not outdated. Um, you know, at the same time that Susie and the Banshees were active, uh, new wave bands in Iceland were also active. And of course, there is a uh, communication between a lot of these bands, uh, either because some of them came to Iceland and performed here, or because some of them then uh, went abroad and performed. Okay, so musically, where are we starting? So we're starting in about the uh, early 80s. Um, we're going to discuss punk uh, in another episode. Yes. So we're, we're going to try and make a distinction between these two, but globally, these two usually go hand in hand. They're like, they're like twin uh, sisters. So in our last episode, we discussed the electric 70s. And so by the late 70s in Iceland, um, sort of psychedelic garage hippie music is kind of already passé. So in 1981, the new rock scene is mm. exploding. And uh, we have an amazing host of bands that are doing really, really great things um, with records that stand the test of time even to today. Um, and also at that same time in 1982, in the Easter of 1982, we have the release of the amazing music documentary Rock i Reykjavik, mm. which I highly encourage everyone to watch. It's a, a fantastic documentary that captures the scene at that time. Um, so it's, it's documenting a scene that's active in that minute. It's not looking back at anything. Um, and it really does document almost all the bands uh, from that time, uh, 1981 to 1982. And uh, also this coincides with the establishment of Raustvö, uh, so the second channel of uh, the Icelandic National Radio, uh, which commenced broadcasting in December 1983. Yes. So these things are helping uh, support the scene, uh, showcase the scene, uh, both uh, in Iceland and abroad. And so the first piece of music we're going to hear is from S.H. Droimer which could be the name of a lawyer in Reykjavik, but isn't. 
It's not the name of a, a lawyer. Um, S. Haudromer means black dream. Um, it's an abbreviation. Um, and uh, so famously in this band, uh, we have uh, Dr. Guni, who we mentioned in a previous episode, um, who has extensively documented uh, the Icelandic scene with his writings and his books, mm -hmm. and also some uh, videos on YouTube. You should definitely check him out. Um, so his band um, started in uh, Kopavogur, and um, it operated parallel to other bands at that time who were playing sort of punk and new wave. Um, and they started, Dr. Guni started playing music about 1979 uh, in other bands such as Unun and Bless. He also has some solo work um, and uh, is the author of Blue-Eyed Pop, The History of Popular Music in Iceland. And um, so with Eshaud Dromer, they record on the legendary Gram Records, um, which was established by members of uh, Kukul, later on Sugar Cubes, and uh, then Gram uh, later on evolved into uh, Bad Taste Records. So in total, Eshaud Dromer have six releases with a few variations in, in lineup. And um, among other things, in 1986, uh, they played with the very famous um, band Einstürzende Neuebauten mm. and also with Pere Ubu um, here in Iceland. Um, so, you know, they helped, they, that helped establish them within the local and international scene. And, uh, you know, their music is amazingly catchy. And if you do like New Wave, you're definitely going to like them. It's, you know, it's very tight high energy, great uh, vocals, bass, drums and guitars. Um, so if you need anywhere to start, um, they are a very good starting point.
Ostr from S.H. Droimer from the middle of the 1980s and part of the new wave scene in Iceland. Again, when you think of new wave, it can encompass quite a lot. Our very first episode was on electronic music. Electronics fed in to new wave, of course. And I mean, no spoilers, but are we going to hear electronics over the next half hour or so? Yes, we will. I think almost all, if not all new wave, at least half of new wave music around the world does at some point include or feature some kind of synthesizer or maybe yes. drum machine. And this next band we're going to hear, Q4U, um, they started about 1980, 1981, Reykjavik, and inspired by the British punk movement. And they had a tape in uh, 1982, Skaf Itar, which also appeared on the Rocky Reykjavik uh, documentary. And um, so they have a couple lineup changes, and at some point they replace their drummer with a Roland TR-808 drum machine, which they... Quite right. <laughs> yes, it's a good move. Um, <laughs> who needs a drummer when you have that? Uh, and they, you know, they, they had given it a pet name. It was called Elizabeth II. Well, this was a big thing for bands, wasn't it, at the time? I think OMD gave their drum machine a name as well. Um, and there's another band who did the same thing, Echo and the Bunnymen. In fact, wasn't Echo the name of the drum machine in Echo and the Bunnymen? I think, I think I'm right on that. So naming drum machines and making a virtue of the electronics, it's a big part of this. <laughs> I think it is, yes. And, uh, you know, if you have ever played a synthesizer, it's a truly engrossing experience. Um, so it makes it, and, and, you know, it is a very vital part of the band. It's, even though a drum machine is not a human, it, it plays a vital role in the overall sound. Winston, that was the name of OMD's drive. It's just come to me. How many points do I get for that? Uh, 100 punk 100 points, points, yes. Okay, <laughs> um, so, yeah, Q4U, um, it, you know, they start out a little more aggressive, more punk, but then eventually they do experiment with drum machines and synthesizers. And at that time, not so many bands are doing that in Reykjavik. They're more focused on, you know, a traditional uh, guitar-based drum uh, punk setup. And they sort of evolve a more goth sound, you know, a bit like Susie and the Banshees or Ex Mal Deutschland. And uh, Ellie, who is the singer, she has absolutely amazing vocals. Also, um, as many scenes at that time, um, you know, of course, there are women in the scene, even yes. though, uh, you know, maybe originally this hasn't been documented. But, you know, looking back now, we know that there were women in the punk scene uh, in Iceland and everywhere. And she was, uh, you know, quite active in her scene. Um, by the mid-80s, a lot of them are, you know, uh, sort of moving away from the punk movement. Maybe they're having families or, or establishing themselves with a career. Um, but then they kind of have a resurgence in the 90s when sort of grunge uh, becomes popular. And of course, we know that, you know, punk and post-punk are grunges to older siblings. Um, so they do release a CD uh, in 1997, uh, which collected 34 tracks. Uh, and all of them are really uh, quite interesting. And, you know, they have a few gigs, they play on uh, TV. You can actually find some of their TV performances on YouTube if you look them up. And um, so one thing I want to mention is when I was living in the US working for the punk magazine Maximum Rock and Roll, at that same time, the documentary Rocky Reykjavik uh, was uh, sort of officially reissued. And um, so we went and we saw it at the famous uh, Roxy Cinema. And uh, the song that is fe one of the songs by Q4U featured on that documentary is called Birding. And I remember my uh, roommate and uh, co-coordinator at the magazine, Francesca, just played it on repeat. <laughs> and, uh, you know, of course, it is a, a great song. Uh, and then um, the amazing, amazing record label, uh, Dark Entries, uh, also from San Francisco, did a really great uh, reissue compilation called Q1 Deluxe Edition 1980 1983 in April 2023, 2013. 
and uh, it, it mainly encompasses uh, sort of forgotten 80s synth and post-punk gems. And uh, in general, anything that Josh does with Dark Entries is absolutely fantastic. You should check it out. And um, so after that, they, they did have also releases on Gram Records, um, which is, of course, uh, started, like we mentioned, uh, by members of Kukul. Um, and then, you know, Gra Gram uh, would later release other famous bands we will be talking about. Even though, as you described there, you heard this song over and over again. Can you bear to hear uh, Boring one more time? Absolutely. for you, Boring. Let's continue our look at the Icelandic new wave with Lydia. Where are we going next? So next we're going to go to Toiga Deildin, um, which actually features members of q for You, Icaros, which featured Megas, uh, KK, um, and they really have a great sound. The, the name translates to the Nerve Ward, and they were a post-punk band from roughly 80, 81. Uh, they released one self-titled 7-inch, all the songs are really great, top-notch synth-punk. Um, the singer was also uh, working with Freiblarnir, uh, one uh, of the earlier Icelandic punk bands uh, that started about in 1979 that we'll be talking about later. And at some point, they also actually used Elizabeth II, the famous drum machine we talked about earlier.
Gudahin's Nia Tima is the name of the song, and you are uh, approvingly pointing me to the cover, as in the, the sleeve, I guess we would have called it a long time ago. What, what's going on there? Yeah, so this is from um, the EP from 1981. It only has four tracks. Yes. Um, but if you've ever seen the cover of this album, it's hard to forget because it's a sort of grayscale cover of a hand gouging out a yeah. pair of eyes no, you in, see, I was in hoping that wasn't what it was. <laughs> But now you've confirmed it is. It's horrifying. It is, but you know, I think that's part of the punk aesthetic. It's supposed to be. Uh, it's supposed to carry some shock value. Yeah. Well, it's uh, it's ticked that box. One thing I wanted to mention about them is that they weren't around for very long, um, and so they split up before they could even be featured in the uh, documentary Rock mm. Reykjavik. Um, but some of their songs exist on some uh, compilations, which are really worth checking out, including Northern Lights Playhouse on Falcon uh, Records, which is one of the established ones here in Iceland, um, and also the Geysir uh, compilation and the Rocky Reykjavik uh, album uh, with the music. Okay, to Graphic. Yeah, so Graphic held a rather special place in my heart because... I absolutely love the vocals on this band, and it was only uh, recently that I actually found out who the singer was, and it is, of course, uh, Helgi Björnsson from television, uh, who has the famous uh, TV show. Um, but back in the not, 19- the... not the band television. <laughs> no, not the band television. Um, but back in the 1980s, he was mm. part of Graphic, who were a straightforward post-punk band, um, very, very, very good at what they did. They did have some, you know, lineup changes like so many of the bands at that time in Iceland and everywhere. And um, so they had sort of more artistic elements in some of their records. Um, overall, in four years, they released five albums. Um, and uh, by 1987, they've sort of settled on a, on a classic lineup. And uh, their fifth record, Lein Darmal, is on Steinar Records, which we have uh, mentioned before and which managed to showcase and, and release a whole number of amazing bands from Iceland. Um, their other albums are self-released to, through their own Graf records, and uh, they did tour a little bit. Um, in the 90s, they kind of vanish, um, and then they have a sort of compilation record that came out. Um, and although they have uh, pretty much been inactive since uh, the 90s, every now and then they, they form reunions, um, and they're still considered to be one of the most groundbreaking bands in Iceland. Um, and yeah, they definitely influenced a new generation of Icelandic rock. Oh, 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 
That was a graphic. I, if we were, you've shown me one sleeve already, I don't want to see that one again, but would we be witnessing many mullets at this point? Or are we just ahead of that? Um, I think there's a bit of a combination because on the one hand, you, you do have this classic 80s haircut, which yeah. ha can include a mullet. But then at the same time, um, you know, we see bands like Thayer who famously shave off uh, you know, they, they offer free haircuts and shave their, their heads during one of their mm. concerts. And I think we'll hear from that band in the punk episode next week, won't we? Yes, yeah. we will indeed. Yeah. So we've got a combination of both. Okay, let's go to our next piece of music as we examine the new wave of Icelandic music in the 80s. So next up, we are only going to make a brief reference really to Bobby Mortens, uh, just because he does have such an extensive career yes. and he has been in so many bands. Um, so... Uh, he does show up a lot in Icelandic music history, and you could just do a show just talking about him, really. Um, but one of the bands he was in uh, during the 80s, so his first band was a punk band called Utgartsmen, which we'll look at um, at a later episode. But he also was in the band called Ego and uh, Das Kapital. And um, so with Ego, they have three albums in three years in the 80s, all on Steinar Records. And then in uh, 1984, uh, he makes the band Das Kapital, and uh, both those bands have, you know, pretty good material, and mm -hmm. you should definitely check them out. And uh, I have selected a song uh, by Ego for this one.
Storia Strucker Fau Rauflost, and that is from Ego. A couple of songs left from the new wave, and I think we're getting a sense of what the Icelandic take on that genre is. Identifiably new wave, but identifiably Icelandic as well. Yes. Uh, the other thing that is quite important, I think, to mention is that um, the majority of these bands are also singing in Icelandic. And, you know, we, all around the world, we see a tendency from bands mm. in the 70s and 80s in punk sort of singing in English so they can get to a wider audience. But the Icelanders don't shy away from um, their perhaps slightly tricky language. And mm. um, so yes. this, I think, is something you know quite important because the other thing is Icelandic sung in a punk style sounds bloody great. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to the anger and the, I suppose not so much the anger, but the angularity of the language being expressed in a very angular form of music. Yeah, that's very true. Icelandic is quite angular. Other languages are perhaps more rounded yes. um, when they're sung, but uh, Icelandic lends itself quite well um, to, to punk music. Well, we're not there yet. Another couple of songs from the new wave. Where do we go next? So next we go to what I might personally say is like the OMD of Iceland, even though I don't necessarily like using such comparisons because, um, you know, this band is great in its yeah, own right. They were very happy to be the Kraftwerk of the world, weren't they? <laughs> yes, indeed. So we're talking about uh, Sonus Futurae, which is Latin, it's not Icelandic. Um, they were one of Iceland's very first synth pop bands, sort of a mix between like Roxy music and Kraftwerk. And they only have one EP with six tracks. Uh, it's called Þeir Sletta Skirinu Sem Eigathav, which translates to Those Cast the Skir That Have It. Um, and both the cover and the title are a sort of homage to Helgi Hoseason, who was at that time Iceland's most famous protester. And they also have the first music music video made in Iceland, oh. uh, the song Mindarpandith. And it was a statement in itself because yeah. it spoke of a new era of music and technology. And it features all three members in their teens, really, at that time. And uh, the song and the lyrics, they sound futuristic, but they're also quite prophetic. Um, as you know, it's talking about a new age of computers and digitization. Mm. And, uh, you know, they mention in the chorus that the music video has taken over and, you know, perhaps inspired by uh, Video Killed, the radio star. Um, but, you know, it's very true. We live in a very visual, image-heavy yes. world. And um, so this became this video became the first independently made music video. It, it wasn't made uh, in the studios or with any equipment uh, provided by Aruv. Uh, and it was aired on the show. And um, one of the three members of this band actually later on became a teenage music presenter for Aruv in the 80s and then made a career as a filmmaker and uh, music recording engineer. And uh, members from that band also then go on to play in Rickshaw, which is another uh, synthwave post punk band that you should definitely check out. Well, that's quite the build-up. And as a fan of Kraftwerk and of OMD and partial to a bit of Roxy Music as well, I'm quite keen to hear this from Sonus Futurite.
Uh, and that's a, a song with a title that translates as um, "He who has the skier casts it," which is a, a sort of national one of the national aphorisms of Iceland, isn't it? So next, we're going to a band called Lola, who uh, were founded in Seidisfjordur in uh, the spring of 1978. Uh, they operated sort of on and off until 1982. They're best known for a song called Fornaldar Higindir, uh, which was released on a 7-inch in 1982. Then it was reissued in 2007 on a really good comp uh, called 100 Icelandic Songs from the 80s, Islensk uh, The album was uh, released again by Steinar Records. And uh, this was extremely well received, this 7-inch. They p- performed in various places around Iceland, including a legendary concert called Mellaroki. And uh, by 1982 they folded, and that was that. But, you know, this is such a great 7-inch, and we're going to hear a track from that, from that record. Lola, final song today that is called? Fornaldar Hugmyndir. Quite know, mouthful. <laughs> it is. I know how excited you are about next week's episode. Being a punk yourself. I mean, you don't look like a punk. You don't look like what a six-year-old child would draw if you said, here's a crayon, draw punk. But you're a punk at heart. I am a punk at heart. And I have to say, this uh, idea of, you know, punk being something uh, very visual is true to an extent. 
Um, but the the sort of stereotypical view of what a punk looks like, so maybe you're thinking of the Sex Pistols or even the Ramones or, or the Clash, um, you know, that's that's not what punk is all about. Uh, as we will find out yes. later on, on the next episode, it's more about what you do and less about what you look like. And here, of course, with this radio programme from Roof English, the way that you sound. Lydia, thanks very much. We'll talk again next week. This is Roof English. I'm Darren Adam. And you can get in touch with us anytime. We are English at ruv.is. You're listening to the Roof English Podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is English.